It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a good one for you today as we preview UFC Fight Night Poirier versus Hooker, which will take place on Saturday, June 27th at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. UFC Vegas 4, which is uh, terrible, but apropos, uh, hashtag, I guess it's appropriate, but uh, not, not a very creative hashtag, uh, but it is the last of the uh, fight nights for now at the uh, at the Apex before we head to uh, Fight Island, so that's really going to suck, uh, that uh, one week break we're going to have, because uh, I don't think baseball will be back, no, baseball certainly won't be back. Uh, by the time Fight Island happens, so we'll just have to go without sports for uh, for a week. But that's fine because we'll get a good a good fight card here. Uh, as always, we'll work our way from the bottom of the prelims all the way up to the main event. And one of the common things I've I've seen on this card is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of canceled fights. Uh, I. By my count, there's six canceled fights, and some of them, some of them were pretty good. Now, a lot of the fighters they just found new opponents, but you know we missed out on some pretty good matchups here off the off the top of the off the top of the card. Uh, Aspen Ladd was supposed to take on Sarah McMahon. Uh, Ladd, I think, tore her ACL and MCL, so she's out of that one. Uh, I was really looking forward to uh, Ian Heinish taking on uh, Brendan Allen, and then Heinish, for whatever reason, had to pull out. Um, one more notable one, Jennifer Maya was supposed to take on Viviani Arujao. Uh, that would have been a pretty big fight for the rankings at 125. And obviously, like we've talked about on the last couple of shows, 125 is really, really cracking when it comes to movement in the, in the ranking. So, uh, that one would have been yet another fight that would have, uh, shaken, shaken things up at 125, but we'll, we'll march forward with the card we have. Uh, and we'll get right to the prelim opener. It's a, I believe it's a strawweight fight. Yeah, 115. Uh, Jin Yu Frey versus Kay Hansen. Frey is 9-4 and four coming into this fight. Hansen 6-3. Hansen is the minus 170 favorite. Uh, again, I don't have a whole lot to say about some of these early prelim fights, so we'll kind of blow through these, but Frey is 35. She's on a one-fight winning streak. She's won three of her last four, kind of bounces around between Invicta uh, and uh, Ryzen. And Kay Hansen, probably the more notable uh, portion of, of this equation, just 20 years old. She'll turn 21 in August. She's on a three-fight winning streak. The record, like a lot of records in, in women's mixed martial arts, nothing to, to spit at. Six and three doesn't really jump out at you, but uh, hot as of late. Uh, fighting in Invicta, and this this was a fighter who uh, started w- her professional MMA career, I believe, one month after her 18th birthday. So, obviously, had some early uh, setbacks. I think at one point she had a 500 record, and then uh, had a couple of boxing matches. Might have even had some kickboxing matches. Just had a lot of a lot of combat sports experience for a 20 year old. Um, 
again, not going to pretend like I've seen any of these fighters fight for even at one second. Uh, but just based on uh, just based on a gut feeling here, I'm going uh, K. Hansen by decision. I pick all strawweight fights to go to, to a decision. Um, but we'll, we'll go K. Hansen again. Wouldn't shock me at all if Frey won this fight. Obviously, a major major age discrepancy uh, between these two fighters of, of 15 years. Uh, they're both sh- on the shorter end of, of 115. Uh, I think Kay Hansen's five foot three, but um, an interesting fight. And, and uh, obviously, this was a late replacement fight for for both of them. They were neither of them were scheduled to be on this fight card. I think even a week ago. So uh, short notice. Uh, hopefully, both of them have been staying ready. But uh, certainly an interesting addition. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and make it sound like Kay Hansen's a prodigy. She certainly did start her professional career young, but that's a really interesting addition to uh, the women's side of things uh, in in the UFC. Uh, Moving on to the second fight here on the prelims, it's a featherweight fight here between Jordan Griffin and Yusuf Zalal. Uh, Griffin's 18-7, Zalal is 8-2. Zalal is the minus-120 favorite uh, now Griffin's 30 years old. Both these fighters are five foot ten. Zalal is 23, uh, but he's got a 75 inch reach, which is pretty impressive for uh, featherweight. Uh, he's on a two fight winning streak, but he's had uh, only one fight in the UFC. He might have had a fight on the Contender Series, um, but he won his UFC debut over Austin Lingo. Uh, whereas Jordan Griffin had that nice submission victory over T.J. Brown in his last fight, but he did start out 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, I want to say he was supposed to fight last week, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, versus Derek Minner, um, which would have been a pretty pretty nice matchup. Uh, both guys with a lot a lot of fights. Minner with a lot of fights on, on the regional scene. Same with Jordan Griffin. Uh, I made the mistake of picking Austin Lingo over Zalal uh, the last time out. Um I don't really have any strong feelings on either of the, either of these fighters, uh, but I, I picked wrong last time. I'm going to pick correctly this time. I'm going to go Zalal, uh, and we'll go by decision just to just to play it safe. Not that the method matters here. Um, oh, very quickly before I forget, we got a new page up here on the website for our MMA picks. Uh, we got all the cards that we've predicted so far in 2020. Uh, Blades versus Volkov. Just quickly, we were we were six and six, so a 500 card on behalf of North Star Sports. Um, not exactly the ideal performance. We were really really hot these last couple of weeks, and we kind of cooled off with that uh, Blades Volkov card. Certainly the 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 prelims. We were really hot on the main card. We were four or five on the main card where you make your money. Um, but the 250, the Woodley Burns, Overeem Harris. We were really good. Nine. Nine and two, seven and four, nine and three, even seven and three is you know pretty solid. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, so we are sitting at sixty-eight and forty-four. Uh, that's a sixty-point-seven percent uh, correct pick percentage. Uh, we do like accountability, so that's why we put it up on the website, whether or not it's good or bad. Uh, you know, North Star Sports has to be held accountable for our uh, our picks, our picks. So. Uh, you know whether or not it's uh, it's good or whether or not it's shameful. Luckily, luckily we're sitting at sixty percent, so I'd I'd say that's that's not too shabby uh, for picking fights, uh, especially these days. 
Uh, but getting back to it here, uh, going on to the third fight here on the prelims, uh, a welterweight fight here between Takashi Sato and Ramiz Brahimaj. I'm sure I'm just butchering that. We'll call him Ramiz from from now on. Uh, Sato's 15 and three. Ramiz is eight and two. Sato is the minus 140 favorite. Haven't seen either of these fighters fight for a damn second. Uh, but Sato lost at UFC 242 versus Bilal Muhammad. Uh, and he beat Ben Saunders of the fight before that, so he's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Uh, by contrast, uh, Ramiz is 2-2 two and two in his last four fights, and I think he's only had one fight. Uh, no, excuse me, this is his, his UFC debut, so he's 2-2 two and two in his last four fights in the LFA, which is not exactly ideal uh, when, when you come to the UFC to be going 500 in a feeder organization. Uh, so for that reason, we'll go Sato by decision. If for no other reason than Ramiz is a 500 fighter as of late in a, uh, a feeder organization, like we talked about in uh, on on last show. Uh, just absolutely blitzkrieging through these these prelims. Tanner Bozer taking on Felipe Linz in the heavyweight division. Uh, Bozer is 17, 6, and 1. Felipe Linz, 14, and 4. Uh, another really close fight. All of these odds. Uh, well, let me give let me give credit where credit is due. These odds come from Bovada. All these Bovada odds are real close. They're real close. Uh, and another close one here. Linz is the minus 120 favorite. So almost essentially a pick em here. Uh, Linz. He did fight a couple of weeks ago. Actually, maybe even a couple of months ago at this point. My time management is just absolutely slipping away. Um, okay, about five weeks ago, he had that uh, decision loss to Andre Arlovsky. Uh, he's, the, the, he's the former PFL champ. He was on a three-fight winning streak before that in the PFL. Uh, won that million-dollar... Uh, championship back in I want to say 2018 Uh, he's only 34 and you know 34 is kind of old for a fighter but in the heavyweight division I mean Jesus you're a you're a spring chicken if you're 34 years old so uh, Felipe Linz really bringing youth to the heavyweight division at this point Uh, Tanner Bowser even younger 28 Uh, he lost versus Cyril Gaon I'm a big fan of Cyril Gaon I think Cyril Gaon will probably be champion by uh, 2022 or 2023 uh, I'm a big fan of him. I believe if I can pull up the rankings here real quick, yeah, Cyril Gaon is number 15 in the heavyweight division, uh, according to North Star Sports. And uh, but but Tanner Bozer, uh, I've been pretty impressed. I, I he impressed me even in a loss versus Cyril Gaon. Uh, I liked his performance versus Daniel Spitz. Uh, he's got a whole lot of decision victories, so uh, you know that's a little interesting for a heavyweight to have so many decision victories, but. You know, he's kind of a chubby chubby heavyweight. I mean, most heavyweights are, but, you know, maybe especially chubby for a heavyweight. Um, but, you know, 6'2", 240. But, yeah, he has good cardio because he goes to three-round decisions all the time. Uh, this one's a, a real tough one, but I'm going to go with Tanner Bozer by decision. Um, I don't think Felipe Linz I, – I don't know. I mean, uh, I can't remember if I thought he beat Arlovsky, but either way, I wasn't really impressed with either of those – two fighters, but, um, you know, Bozer obviously has a little bit of an, an advantage when it comes to experience and, 
the younger fighter with, uh, by my estimation, better cardio. So we'll go Tanner Bozer by decision. Uh, and this leads us to the main event of the prelims. This is a very interesting fight. I, I, I really struggled with this one. Luis Pena taking on Kama Death Star Worthy here in the lightweight division. Luis Pena, 8-2, Kama Worthy, 15-6. Pena is the minus 250 favorite. And this one's really, really tough. You look at Luis Pena, six foot three at 155. Now that's interesting. I don't think that's gonna I don't think that's gonna work for him in the long run. I don't I don't think that's a winning strategy. But against lesser unranked opponents, I think I think you can just be wacky and do wacky shit and six three at one fifty five certainly some wacky shit. As, almost more almost more importantly than being six three. He has a 75-inch reach, which is kind of weird for a six-foot-three th- six fighter. John Jones, six-foot-four, has an 84-inch reach advantage, so he will have the—I believe he'll have the reach advantage here on on Kama Worthy, but certainly just some really weird, really weird proportions. And so Kama Worthy has a 74-inch reach, and he's five-foot-eleven. So that's these people got some weird proportions here, but. Uh, Luis Pena three and two in the UFC, but it's not exactly as clean as just saying three and two because his two losses are split decisions to Matt Frivola and is it Michael Trezano? Uh, and I think that was for the uh, the Ultimate Fighter uh, finale. So to be honest, Luis Pena, if a couple of judges score it just just slightly differently. I mean, he's 5-0, and and I'm not going to say if you're 5-0 and in the UFC, you're ranked, especially at 155, but he'd be he'd be a borderline ranked fighter if just a couple of a couple of fights went went some other way. And I thought he won versus Matt Frivola. Uh, I do not remember watching him take on uh, Trezano, so I can't uh, I can't speak to that. But Pena, an active fighter, and uh, comma worthy. He made his UFC debut versus his friend Devonte Smith at UFC 241. The the card that was headlined by the rematch uh, of uh, Cormier and Miocic at the Honda Center, uh, and he he knocked out Devonte Smith. The vicious knockout. He was the minus 1100 underdog, one of the biggest underdogs in the sport, really that we've ever seen. I I don't know what I don't know what. Uh, Holly Holm, how big of an underdog she was against Ronda Rousey, but I don't, I don't even know if she was a minus eleven hundred favorite. That was ridiculous. Uh, he's on a six-fight winning streak, so obviously you look at the fifteen and six. That's not, again, not jumping out at you, but you know, at one point he was nine and six, and you know he's been a real hot fighter. So this, this is tough, man, because uh, Worthy's no stranger to, to beating uh, the favorite. Uh, when it's all said and done, done, uh, Jesus. When it's all said and done, though, uh, I'm picking Luis Pena to win this fight, probably by decision because I think they're both tough fighters. Uh, I mean, Pena's not going to have a reach advantage. I think he's a really talented fighter, so I don't even look at the dimensions on this one. Um, it, it's real tough because, man, I, I really wanted to go with Kama Worthy, and it would not shock me in the slightest. I mean, it's it's Pena 51% to win this fight in my mind. I mean, this, this is going to... 
honestly, yeah, I'd say pretty confidently this is probably going to be right up there for fight of the night. I mean, obviously the the main event is going to be a real good fight, but this one, this one wouldn't shock me at all if if it's a, a fight of the night performance. Uh, moving on here to the main card on the main card opener, we have. Uh, Sean Woodson taking on Julian Erosa here in the featherweight division. Uh, no Bovada odds for this one because Erosa is uh, a very short notice uh, replacement for Kyle Nelson. Uh, William Hill odds put Woodson as the minus 500 favorite. Woodson, another... See, they're stacking this card with just weird, weird Gumby-like fighters because Woodson is six foot two at 145 and he has a 79 inch reach at 145 which is just doesn't even make sense you couldn't even do that in a video game i don't even think you could do that in ufc one where you could you could make like middleweights like six foot six i don't i don't even think you can do that at 145 in a video game so just a real real odd proportion for a guy at 145 i could not imagine that's healthy at all that just doesn't doesn't seem like a healthy i wonder what the bmi the bmi is for someone who's six foot and obviously you know he's cutting weight so he only has to be 145 for you know 15 seconds to get on the scale but i mean that just can't be healthy at all um like i said undefeated seven and oh erosa 23 and eight uh erosa he was uh probably most notably uh, if that name sounds familiar, he was on the Ultimate Fighter with uh, Team McGregor and Team Faber. He ended his UFC career with a uh, three-fight losing streak, and then he uh, picked up a win in Cage Sport, where he has most of his fights. Uh, really, really, the most of his most of his fights even early on. And you know, I went on a little bit of a tough binge uh, the last couple of weeks, so I pretty much rewatched. Uh, or actually watched them for the first time, uh, those episodes with Team uh, McGregor and Team Faber. That hot sports take alert, but that might be the best season of, of tough we've ever had. I think Uriah Faber, what is, Uriah Faber's coached tough like three times. I know they've had like 30 seasons, but, you know, well, 30 if you count, you know, all the fucking international seasons they do. But, um, you know, Faber was a really good coach. Uh, he, he's kind of, he's kind of low-key quick. He's kind of funny. And obviously McGregor's just hilarious. And I like the whole team Europe versus team USA thing. And man, you got some personalities on that season. Like Artem Lobov just getting the, the Conor McGregor treatment and getting brought back in, uh, uh, you know, Juliana Rosa just being a complete weirdo and everybody on team USA was a weirdo. And then you probably have the best the best line. I forget the guy. Oh, I'm gonna. It's one of the Tamer brothers. Is it Daniel? Ah, oh, it's it's one of the Tamer brothers where they get into that pushing pushing fight with Garbrandt and McGregor, and they're all they're all super serious and they're all pushing back and forth, you know, just ready to knock each other out in a giant scrum, and then one of the Tamer brothers just comes in and just says, "Take care of your take care of your underwear. Uh, I'm gonna f you." And it's like, I, I guess he just didn't speak English, didn't know what he was saying. But uh, that's a cl- that's a classic season. Honestly, one of the last seasons of tough before it just went to complete shit. I mean, the last 
I don't even know. Apparently, they're bringing Tuff back, which I think is not really going to work out because I think the Contender Series is a more viable thing uh, these days, and it does better ratings. You know, why would you commit three months to being on the Ultimate Fighter, fighting four times to win, you know, a meaningless a meaningless contract when you could go on the Contender Series, win one fight, and get in the UFC? So I think Tuff is dead even if they bring it back, but, you know, the last, like, who knows? I don't even know. They have so many un- unnumbered international seasons. Like, they've done Tough Brazil, like, four times. Tough China. That's a funny one. If you go to Tapology and look up the Ultimate Fighter when, when they did it in China, and you look at the winners, like, the winners of, like, Tough China was, like, 4-3, and three, and then they, they're, like, 0-3 oh in the UFC. Like, just real, real bad talent. They don't get talent on Tough anymore. Um, and it's it's not going to be long before we have a contender series champion at some point. I mean, really, like 80% of the new talent that comes in the UFC, you know, it, at least is fought on the contender series. Uh, but getting back to the fight here, uh, I, I'm picking Woodson, undefeated. I, I, I forget his, uh, his debut. He had his debut fight. Uh, that's a real tough debut, taking on Kyle Bokniak. That's that's no joke, and uh, he he looked impressive. Erosa obviously doesn't belong in the UFC, and that you know just to just to keep the number of fights on the card, they brought him in. So that's a easy. I I really could see why Woodson's a minus five hundred favorite here, according to William Hill. Uh, and we'll go Woodson by KO. We'll go KO, not even TKO. We'll go Woodson by KO, because uh, we'll, we'll get bold here, because we have we, we're picking a lot of decisions, so. Somebody's got to win this performance bonus, bonus. so uh, we'll go Woodson by KO. Uh, next fight here on the main card, Maurice Green taking on John Volante in the heavyweight division. It's the heavyweight debut of John Volante, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Green is the minus 235 favorite, comes in with a record of 8-4, and four. Volante 17-11. and 11. Uh, The crochet boss, Maurice Green, uh, from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, I did see him at that infamous UFC Minneapolis card. Uh, just beat the absolute brakes off of... Uh, oh, what was his name? This guy was a, just a complete bum. Uh, what was his name? He went like 0-5 in the UFC. Junior Albini. Yeah, Junior Albini. Just beat the absolute brakes off of Junior Albini. Like he stole something from him. Uh, but he's on a two-fight losing streak to Alexei Olenek and Sergei Pavlovich. Uh, but luckily, he's not fake. He's not facing a Russian here. So uh, he was on a three-fight winning streak, even in the UFC, a three-fight winning streak before that two-fight skid. Uh, like I said, Volante heavyweight debut in his last nine fights. He's three, five, and one, and he's gonna he's gonna take a beating here because I got Maurice Green by first round KO. John Volante, just not a good fighter. Just not a good fighter. Uh, he's friends with Chris Weidman, so I'm sure that gets him a lot of favors. But you look at this guy in the UFC, man, he has a lot of losses in the UFC. And his wins are just really bad. He has really bad wins. Uh, wins over Cody Donovan. I mean, Sean O'Connell's a that's a that's a tough win. Sean O'Connell's a tough fighter. Corey Anderson's a solid win, but then, you know, again, so he has three wins since 2015, late 2015. Anthony Parash, never heard of him. Saperbeg Safarov, okay. Uh, and then two split decision wins over Francimar Bohosa 
and Ed Herman. Okay, so, like, Bellator post-limb talent. So I'm not impressed at all with Volante. I think he just takes a beating here. Because even Maurice Green in his losses, he was really good in that Olenek fight. I mean, uh, what was it? Was a was it an arm triangle? I mean, uh, uh, Olenek had him real deep a couple of times in the first two rounds. And I think Olenek won in the third round. But Green is real tough. He can take a beating. He can take... More important, you can take a choking. And obviously that's what Volante potentially, you know, he's fought like more of a brawler in his last few fights, which is probably to his own detriment because he's not that good of a fighter. So I don't know where he gets the confidence to go out there and brawl. But um, obviously a, a solid wrestler. Um, but Green, I mean, he can survive on the ground. He He's tough. And, you know, when he got to his feet against Olenek, he he hurt him. He, he stung him. He's He's got quick hands. He's he's pretty nimble for a six foot seven fighter, so I I think uh, I would make this the lock of the week, but uh, we got a we got a different lock of the week. But we'll go Maurice Green here by first round KO. And speaking of lock of the week, if you check out North Star Sports Twitter, you'd already know the lock of the week, which is why you need to follow us. Uh, Brendan Allen taking on Kyle Dawkins in the middleweight division. This is our lock of the week. Allen is 14 and 3, Kyle Dawkins 9 and 0. Allen's the minus 300 favorite. He was supposed to fight Ian Heinish. Uh, he's the former LFA champion. He's only 24 years old. He's on a 6-fight winning streak, 2 and 0 in the UFC, really 3 and 0 if you count his contender series victory, which I don't know if the UFC technically counts that as a UFC victory, uh, but his last couple of wins over uh, Kevin the Trailblazer Holland, that's a really good one because he's dangerous on the feet, and Tom Breeze, who was a top prospect a couple of years ago before injuries and mental health kind of derailed him for uh, a hot minute. Uh, sucks he's not fighting Heinish because Heinish, we have him ranked in the middleweight division at number 12, so Brendan Allen... I mean, Brendan Allen could get ranked if he wins over Kyle Dacus. I don't, I don't know if a win over Kyle Dacus. Ah, let me take a look at that top fifteen at middleweight again. So we got Jotko at fifteen, Vittori at fourteen, and Brad Tavares at thirteen. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah, you know what, Brendan Allen, he he, he might. He might take that 15 spot. He might take that number 15 spot if he wins over Jotko. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe not. Middleweight's kind of low-key deep. Um, but getting back to the fight here, I'm a re- I'm all in. I'm all in on Brendan Allen. I am all in on Brendan Allen. This guy is a monster. Uh, he is our lock of the week, if I didn't make that clear. Uh, just a very... I don't want to get I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but you know this guy has potential champion written all over him. He's 24 in the UFC, dominating fights, a very good wrestler, but he's just the total package. He he's tough. His striking probably needs to improve, but it it's it's been pretty serviceable so far. A really good ground game, and obviously that's the best base to have in the UFC. I mean, I think I think right now. I'd probably favor Brendan Allen over Ian Heinish, to be honest with you. And I think Brendan Allen, I'd probably favor him over half the fighters ranked 7 to 12 
in the middleweight division. I really think he's a problem, and he's going to be a problem for a long time at 24. Uh, Kyle Dacus, though, I'm high on this guy as, as well, but it's just wrong place at the wrong time, man. You're the late replacement. You're going to catch this work from Brendan Allen, but Dacus is, is, is no joke, man. He's no joke. I think Dawkins will have a great UFC career. I'm actually really happy to see him in the UFC. So this was a guy, he's 27 years old. He's 9-0 in the UFC. But the problem for Kyle Dawkins is he's just a boring fighter. I mean, it's not necessarily me saying it. He has nine wins. One of the wins is by decision. Eight of his wins are by submission. So he's not a guy who's going to go out there and, you know, just throw some leather he's not going to throw caution to the wind but he's going to win a lot of fights in the UFC it it wouldn't shock me if Dacus made this a tough fight obviously it's Allen still my lock of the week um but this guy this guy you know you see we, we say Tony Ferguson's the Darce Knight no no no, no. Kyle Dacus is the Darce Knight so like I said eight submission victories three by rear naked choke five submission victories by Darce who does that? <laughs> like, I understand it's it's in the you know the minors, it's in a feeder league, but like, this is a serious serious grappler and, uh, good God, don't get caught in this guy's darts because he will choke you out. Over half of his wins, over half of his fights end in a darts victory for him. So that's that's just ridiculous. Uh, he had he had a win over Michael Lombardo on the Contender Series in June of 2019. Since then, he's won two fights in CFFC, whatever the hell that is. Um, but again, I thought he should have got a UFC contract uh, last June. It's just, man, like, Dana Dana likes people who knock people out. He doesn't really like people who win by decision. He doesn't really like people who win by submission. But let me tell you, Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins is never going to win a performance bonus in the UFC, but he's going to win a lot, a lot of fights. Because let me tell you, there's some fighters who are pretty bad with their ground games in the UFC. Like, Kyle Dawkins could get a lot of victories, but it's just going to be like... And, and no disrespect, because plenty of people make their... I mean, look at Damian Maya. There's plenty of people who just make their bread and butter, you know, ground game type stuff. You know what I mean? But Kyle Dawkins... Again, I, I hate doing this because it's the whole, like, NFL draft. Uh, we're going to compare this fifth-round pick to a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? I hate doing that, but I understand why they do it because uh, for, for for me to compare Kyle Dawkins to somebody, uh, you know, it helps to compare him to a, a, a very good notable fighter just because people understand that guy's style. I mean, Kyle Dawkins, he could be like Damian Maya light. You know what I mean? Like... I don't know. I mean, he hasn't lost yet, uh, but he will lose on Saturday. He will lose. That's my, that's my lock of the week. Uh, but this is a good one. I'm I, again. I'm very high on both fighters, but I'm I'm really high on Brendan Allen, uh, and I can't wait to see what this guy does in the UFC. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, uh, we have Mickey Gall taking on Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry, uh, at 170. Perry is the minus 320 favorite. Uh, Perry 13 and 6. Mickey Gall 6 and 2. Um, I can see why this is the co-main event because they're both quote-unquote big names. This is one of the worst fights on the card. 
it'll be exciting because Mike Perry's a wild man, but Mickey Gall, I don't care what anybody says, Mickey Gall is not a good fighter. And I don't want to get too negative because he only has eight professional fights. He got signed to the UFC as a 1-0 fighter. But Mickey Gall is just not good. I've never been impressed by Mickey Gall. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about him. I just think he's he's Bellator talent. I, I, I don't see what anybody sees with Mickey Gall. Um, oh, he's five and two in the UFC. Yeah, but look look at his five wins. Look at what look at his five and two record in the UFC. A win over Mike Jackson, who was zero and zero. So a win over Mike Jackson in his first professional fight. A win over CM Punk, who's just a complete bum, a complete nobody. A win over Sage Northcutt, who never should have been in the UFC because he was way too young. The, the UFC ruined Sage Northcutt. They should have just let him sit and develop on a, on like a minor league deal. Uh, so then he, he takes on Randy Brown and loses to Randy Brown. Uh, so Randy Brown was the first fighter he fought in his career who was even remotely talented, lost handedly. Then he takes on George Sullivan, who I've never heard of. He beats George Sullivan. Okay, so the UFC gave you a tune-up fight, and you won it. Good for you. Then you take on Diego Sanchez, who is completely washed up. Diego Sanchez is completely washed up, and he Diego Sanchez knocks Mickey Gall out. And then he beats uh, Salim Tuari, who is a complete nobody. Nobody knows who this guy is. He's 0 in, He was 0-3 in the UFC. So, oh man, let's see here. I want to say four fighters. I can look up George Sullivan real quick. I think four of the fighters he fought never had a win in the UFC. Yep, that's true. Yep. So, oh, he's 5-2 and two in the UFC against five absolute cans. Absolute nobodies. Mike Jackson never had a win in the UFC. I don't count his win over CM Punk. That's just complete BS. That's an absolute black stain on the sport. Sam Punk never had a win in the UFC. Sage Northcutt, he was the only one who ever won in the UFC, and even then, that that's a tailor-made matchup for Mickey Gall. Sullivan never won in the UFC, and Tuari never won in the UFC. So, Mickey Gall, I mean, if he fought even the... So he's fought the lowest level of UFC talent literally possible. So anybody who's on the Mickey Gall hype train, you're just a complete idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. Mickey Gall is going to get absolutely exposed. Now, Mike Perry is not that good of a fighter. He's very exciting. He's a brawler. He's got good power. Six and six in, six and six in the UFC. You know what I mean? Like, he's a celebrity fighter at this point. R- really, at, well, I guess early on in his career when, when, you know, he actually, you know, was like, I think he started out like two and one, three and one in the UFC. So he wasn't a celebrity fighter then. Uh, but he certainly turned into a celebrity fighter. Um, but his strength of schedule, it's just not even comparable. Honestly, it's it's N.A. It's n- not applicable. It's not even comparable to Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall doesn't have a UFC strength of schedule. He he has an amateur strength of schedule. Mike Perry at least, at least has fought UFC fighters. Mike Perry, I don't know why they made this fight. Mike Perry is going to seriously seriously hurt Mickey Gall in a very bad way and it's going to be the UFC's fault because they're trying to build up Mickey Gall they have no idea what they're doing Mike Perry 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first round KO. Mike Perry is going to viciously knock out Mickey Gall, and people are gonna go. Why did we ever make this? He was five and two in the UFC. He was five and two against nobodies. Look into it, idiots. Look into it. This is real bad matchmaking, and and they're gonna destroy Mickey Gall's already completely fabricated career in the UFC. Um, again, Perry. He's on a two fight losing streak, but again, to really tough fighters, real tough fighters. Jeff Neal and Vincente Luque, uh, you know, but at least, you know he has wins over Cowboy, uh, Oliveira, Jake Ellenberger. He did have that weird win over Paul Felder that was a split decision, which looks real bad for Paul Felder on his record. But obviously that was the fight where Felder broke his arm in the first round. So Mike Perry is a fighter who can't, who can barely beat a fighter who broke his arm in the first round and could only throw with one hand. So he's only slightly better than a one-handed fighter, but that's better than Mickey Gall because he's a no-handed fighter. This guy's got pillows for hands. It's going to be real, real bad. Real bad. I almost want to make... You know what? This is my second lock of the week. I feel so confident about it. Mike Perry knocking out Mickey Gall. Number two. Number two lock of the week. Uh, Moving on here to the main event of the evening in the lightweight division. Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, 25-5, and five, taking on Dan Hooker, who's 20-8. and eight. Let me pull up the old North Star ranking, rank-a-rooney here. Um, Poirier's number three. Uh, obviously, we don't have a number one contender because Gaethje is the interim champ, so it starts at number two, Ferguson, number three, Poirier, number four, Conor McGregor, and then number five, Dan Hooker. I mean, surprisingly, he's number five. I mean, he's he's been winning a lot of his fights, and I mean, don't look now, but you know, he's in the top five, and with a, with a win over Poirier, he's probably next in line. Well, in a perfect world, he's next in line for Khabib after Gaethje, but obviously, you know, McGregor's gonna get that. Dan Hooker's not a big name, so he's kind of screwed. But uh, th- this is a good fight. Lots of uh, ranking ramifications here for both fighters Poirier a real crossroads fight for him because you lose to to hooker uh I mean never lose to a hooker never lose to a hooker uh that that's going to drop him in the rankings and I mean these are you know talent rich waters here in the 155 division uh I don't know if I I forget if I mentioned it but Poirier is the minus 225 favorite uh obviously coming off of that title loss to Khabib in Abu Dhabi uh, in September at UFC 242, uh, Dan Hooker coming off of that victory in New Zealand in January or February, uh, I think early February over Paul Felder, uh, which he did not win. Uh, again, I always say robberies are used way too much. That's a legitimate robbery. You want to talk a legitimate robbery? Uh, Dan Hooker getting the home country decision over Paul Felder. You're an absolute crackhead if you think that Dan Hooker beat Paul Felder. Paul Felder won four of those rounds. He won 49-46 and got absolutely screwed. Uh, I've That's just real embarrassing. So Dan Hooker, he's on a three-fight winning streak. He's won seven of his last eight, but not really because he, he lost to, to Paul Felder, which is just embarrassing that uh, the judges got it wrong. Uh, but either way, he's he's a fighter who's much better at lightweight. 
uh, six feet tall, fought at featherweight for the longest time, which is is real interesting. Uh, and you know he, he had some success at, at featherweight, but uh, just really not uh, not the division for him. Uh, and and you know, for whatever you can say about his loss, his loss to Paul Felder, I mean he he's. He's beaten some pretty solid talent. Nothing super crazy, but uh, in, in that in that seven of eight stretch, Ross Pearson, you know, tough veteran. Mark Jacasey kind of stopped that hype train. I think that was his first or second loss in the UFC. So it wasn't the Jacasey who was on the three fight losing streak. Jim Miller, look at how he performed. Uh, you know, uh, last weekend. Uh, you know, a guy who's uh, going to be a UFC Hall of Famer. Gilbert Burns, that win looks amazing because Gilbert Burns could be your welterweight champion, uh, you know, in in just a couple of weeks. Uh, and then James Vick, Ally Aquinta, you know, real real solid tough guy. So uh, Hooker's very deserving of this chance versus Poirier, uh, but I just think Poirier outclasses a man. I think I think Hooker lost to Felder. I think this should be Felder versus Poirier, and then it's an interesting top uh, a topic and an interesting discussion because. I'd probably still favor Poirier, but I, I would like Felder's odds a little bit better. Uh, you know, Felder's a pretty good boxer, and he's obviously a tough guy. Uh, fought with that broken arm and, you know, won one of the judges' scorecards against Mike Perry. Uh, but Poirier, I mean, don't look now. But what was it? He had the second most fights ever in the UFC before getting a title shot just behind Michael Bisping. And you look at Poirier's record. He's 17 and five in the UFC. 17 and five. Like that's that's nuts. That's nuts. I mean, don't forget this guy's been in the UFC since 2011. Holy smokes. So he, he's almost been in the UFC for a decade. He made his UFC if you can believe this, because I think he's only like 30 or 31 or something. Dustin Poirier made his UFC debut at UFC 125. UFC 125. We're on to UFC 251. He's been here for over half of the <laughs> over half of the UFCs. Like that's that's ridiculous. That's crazy. So you know this guy is a, a real veteran of the sport, man. He, he's been here for a long time and very solid victories. Two wins over Holloway. Uh, Eric. Eric Cook's a low-key really good one. Uh, Diego, uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda, who's who's now, you know, kind of making his his rise up the rankings as of late. You know, Jim Miller, Anthony Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez. I mean, he's got he's got wins over champions, and he he's a very, very good fighter. I like him over Hooker because I don't think Hooker brings a whole lot uh, with his ground game. So I, I pretty much think this is going to be a kickboxing match. Uh, or I guess a boxing match, and well, I mean Poirier can kick, obviously, but Poirier is obviously a really good boxer. Um, so I don't know. I'll get super specific. I'll, I'll even go. I, I think it goes to a decision. I don't know because they're just they're both so tough, man. And I mean, it's not like they're middleweights or, or light heavyweights where they have super serious knockout power. So I, I think this is a really good main event. Uh, I can see why they made it. I think it's going to be a slugfest, but I think Poirier gets the best of Hooker. He, he's just on another level. They're both solid fighters. Poirier's on another level that keeps him in 
well, I'm not going to say title contention, but I, maybe, maybe. Because I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if Poirier loses the hooker, that's bad, obviously. But if Poirier wins and Gaethje wins, I don't know. I mean, you tell me who fights for the belt next. I mean, Gaethje, when he was on JRE, was talking about how he wants to get that wants to get that fight back versus Poirier. Uh, and I think Gaethje would smoke Poirier uh, in his current form. But, I mean, so Poirier, I don't know, man. He, he's a bigger name. I'm not going to say a celebrity fighter because obviously he's still fighting at a very high level. But, you know, Dustin Poirier, don't look, don't look now, but he, he really could get a title shot actually pretty soon. Uh, you know, maybe quarter two of 2021 if, if Gaethje can get past uh, uh, Khabib, which honestly I favor. I favor Gaethje over Khabib. I'm not going to lie. With Gaethje's current form and his leg kicks and his defensive wrestling and how he just mollywopped, mollywopped Tony Ferguson, uh, I'm not trying to be too hot sports takey, but that's what I, I really believe. I think Gaethje beats Khabib. I'm not even playing. I really think he beats him. But, you know, Gaethje Poirier too. How about that? Now, obviously, they're going to try to throw Connor at Gaethje or something like that. So, you know, who knows? Poirier might have to wait a little bit because, you know, whenever Connor wants to fight, you know, it's it's probably going to happen. But uh, very fun things on the horizon for Poirier, no matter what. No matter what, if he wins. Uh, and I pick him to win here uh, by unanimous decision trying to get back on the uh onto our winning ways here after that 500 performance uh so again we're going to wrap up the show here uh you can follow me on twitter at owen ely mn you also can follow north star sports on twitter at north star min uh check out our website northstarsports.media and just be sure to just be sure to tune in to uh, north star sports however you're doing it youtube tune in spotify Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, just every single every single method possible. See, we make it so easy for you guys. We make it so easy. You guys are so spoiled. We're we're not like we're we're not like how Joe Rogan's gonna be. Uh, although if Spotify wants to pay me a hundred million dollars, I'll gladly take it. But you know, oh oh North Star Sports. Oh and uh, Pod MN, Pod N- Pod MN. You also can check us out on Pod MN. You know we're not we're not a one platform type of type of show you know what i mean oh we're only on spotify no we're everywhere man we're we're hustlers we're real hustlers we're on we're on every platform imaginable so uh you're welcome and thanks for tuning in